theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. understand because this is what we would call hints or expressions of the Spirit whereby God communicates to us His intention. You are not just flesh and bone but you have a Spirit. The Bible says God is a Spirit. There are many ways that God communicates with us primarily first and foremost through His written Word. Through His preached Word when it is declared and taught. But there's also a more subtle way, a very intimate way that we often overlook. And it's through that internal impression. Because remember, you are a spirit, not just flesh and bone. And so when we come into the presence of the Lord and God begins to express to us through the impression of His Spirit, This is God telling us what He desires to do. If you could think this happened on Friday evening if you were here, but if not, perhaps sometime in the past you have been in a service when the Lord has spoken through the gifts of the Spirit. And there was a hush that came upon the congregation. This happened Friday night. Pastor Akil didn't get up here and say, okay, everybody, please quiet down. The Spirit orchestrates it. There's an impression that God casts upon His body that individual people begin to discern and they just quiet themselves. And in that environment of worship, the Lord speaks and the gifts begin to operate. So we know that there are certain gifts of the Spirit that are going to operate in that environment of worship. But what we have experienced here this morning is high praise, the Bible calls it. That's why we feel this surge of power in victory. And just as that hush indicates to us that certain 
gifts are in operation. That victory we feel lets us know that there are also certain gifts in operation. Primarily the gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gift of healing, the prophetic. Let me tell you how I know what God has come to do today because my wife called me at 4.30 this morning because there was an issue in our apartment. I couldn't go back to sleep. I said, well, we might as well just make the most of the morning. And so I consume lots of coffee with the Lord. As I began to pray, I felt so much victory in that hotel room that I had to get up and I had to turn a song on like they were singing here this afternoon. And with just me and Jesus and my jeans and my extraordinary church hoodie, thank you for that. Now you might think this sounds a little bit silly, but I'm just telling you what I did. I began to run back and forth in the hotel room because I could feel so much victory that I knew what God was communicating to me. He was trying to get my attention and say, Dan, when you get there this afternoon, you need to help my people get into position to receive because I have come today to do the miraculous. And so I want you to hear me right now. If you are here today and you need a miracle, it will happen in the name of Jesus. We've already sang it. There's no big or small. There's no difference between your back pain or a cancer in your liver, your kidney, a disease in your heart, even the organ called the brain is too, not too big for God. Miracles will happen. But the greatest miracle of all is that we would enter into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you are here today and you have never been baptized in Jesus' name or you have never received the gift of the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking in other tongues or what simply means unknown languages as the Spirit gives you the ability, God wants to fill you with His Spirit today. In the past several weeks as I've traveled through Europe this summer, we saw many, many people receive the Holy Ghost. With social distancing, with masks, God's still pouring out His Spirit. I've seen blinded eyes be opened, deaf ears be opened, crippled limbs restored. Jesus is still doing miracles today. And so I want to preach to you for a few minutes on a principle that you practice on a regular basis and we have practiced here today. Through the word of the Lord, I want to increase your understanding so you can possess this with a greater authority. And it can change the trajectory of your individual lives and together this beautiful family of believers. I want to read from Psalms chapter 100 and verse number 4 in the New King James Version. Let me say as we're getting ready to, to read there again, what a high, high honor to be back at Extraordinary Church. It just it feels like home. And I love Pastor Akil and his family. As his wife was up here singing, I walked over to him and I said, she can sing. You might as well get used to it because I just have this feeling that when we get to heaven, the Lord's already reserved her spot on the front of the, the front of the worship team. My goodness. Then you got Pastor Akil. He can preach and sing. And he looks good. Uh, 
God is good. I honor each of you for being in the house of the Lord today. If you are visiting today, and if by chance this is your first time here, I want you to know you are in the presence of some amazing people. And uh, you owe it to yourself to get connected with this amazing family of believers and to come back when Pastor Akil's preaching uh, and singing, because I promise you, he can do it all. But uh, I'm so delighted to be here with each of you today, and uh, I have great expectations is about to do. Psalms chapter 100, verse number 4, the Bible reads, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. This is a principle of kingdom entrance. When you want to enter into something with God, You've got to do it with thanksgiving. This speaks to our attitude. And into his courts with praise. This speaks to our action. I want to preach to you today for a few minutes on this title, Extraordinary Praise. I told you Friday night on Sunday I would tell you how we're going to get there. The principle I will preach to you today will take you absolutely anywhere that God wants you to go. And so I preach to you extraordinary praise. One more time, would you lift up your voice and would you shout unto God with a voice of triumph? Praise be to God. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Let me also say, it is nice to meet mom. I think the world of your son, and so it's a high honor to get to meet you this weekend. Extraordinary praise. Extraordinary praise. The Bible tells us a story. I don't want to read it today for the sake of time, but you can look it up later if you're not familiar with it. We find it in Genesis 28 and 29. It's the son of Isaac. His name is Jacob, and his father begins to talk to him about the spouse that he will take unto himself in marriage. He tells him, Jacob, you cannot take a woman from the Canaanites. You've got to journey down. And he points him in the right direction and directs him to go down and find the house of Laban. And he assures him, when you get there, you'll find the one that you need to marry. And so Jacob sets out on this journey. And uh, all the single men say, I know what that's about. And you don't want to be married. Well, the Bible does say, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. I told, I told a guy a couple weeks ago, I said, look, you ain't never going to find it if you don't start looking. But you got to know where to look. Anybody feel a witness over in this section? Let me tell you, it's all right to have a little fun in church. And so this dad sets his son off on a journey so he'd be looking in the right direction. He gets out there in the middle of this journey and out in this barren and dry land, he makes his way to a watering hole because he's got to feed his flocks and others are gathering there to feed their animals at the watering hole. And he begins to ask direction to make sure he's going to find his way to Laban's house. And here at this present time, it comes to his understanding. Jacob sees the daughter of Laban the younger daughter, Rachel, 
there in the distance. And the Bible says that she was beautiful. He looks up and the beauty of this girl captures his eye. And he is so taken and they begin to dialogue one with another. And he makes his way back to Laban's house. And he's there for a little while and they're family. And so they're really feeling at home. And he's helping out Laban. And he says, look, you're doing all this help. You've been here for many days and you're working and assisting and serving me. I can't let you do this for nothing. How can I repay you? He says, well, I would really love to have the hand of your daughter Rachel in marriage. From the moment I saw her walking to the watering hole, I was captivated by her beauty. From that moment until now, I've been drawn by her and I would love to marry her. And an agreement is arranged that if he will agree to work for seven years, he can have her hand in marriage. Now, I'm just going to tell you, that's love right there. Seven years. No salary. No direct deposit every other Friday. But he's willing to work seven years for the hand of this girl in marriage. The time of the wedding comes. The celebration happens. And as was their custom, it is the night of the, of the ceremony. And the bride would be taken in to the chamber with the groom. This most strange thing happens. Laban does not send in Rachel, but instead sends in his older daughter, Leah. Somehow, some way, Jacob is not even aware of this. How in the world this could happen, I don't know. But reading between the lines of the story, I'm inclined to think that evidently, he had not spent very much time with Rachel. Because you think he would have known, even though your sisters, your voice has got to be a little bit different. Your mannerisms would differ. Your tendencies would differ. But somehow in the darkness of the night, he's oblivious to the fact that it's not Rachel, the one he wanted that was brought into his room. And now he has found himself married to Leah. But it's not until the morning that he discovers this. The morning sun rises, he turns and realizes he has been deceived by his father-in-law. He's unhappy with this. He had no interest in Leah. The Bible says she was tender-eyed, meaning she's ordinary. Oh, her sister, she's beautiful. But Leah, mm, she's just plain. She had no followers on Instagram. Nobody liked her selfies. Is that Genesis 29 story in the 2021 rendition? And so he goes to his father-in-law. Why did you do this to me? And Laban says, well, in our custom, it's dishonorable. If the elder daughter is not married first. And I didn't want to bring dishonor to my family, and so I've done this. And an agreement is made that if he will give another seven years... So now he's got a wife he didn't want and 14 years invested. But Laban says, okay, for seven more years you can marry Rachel also. Now, culture was very different back then. We understand a little more now and the world has evolved and the way God works with us. And I would encourage you to find one spouse and stick with one spouse. Somebody say amen. But now this man finds himself in a home with two wives. And the Bible seeing that Rachel 
was loved and Leah was rejected. God seeing this, He causes the womb of Rachel to be barren and Leah to be fertile. And Leah is crying out to God. She is desperate for the affirmation in the love of the man she has found herself married to. She has not asked for this plight. She was given by her father her hand to this man in marriage, and now she finds herself in a relationship of constant neglect, constant rejection, no validation, no affirmation. Her state of emotional, her emotional state is one of despair and despondency. She's frustrated, she is unhappy, and she's crying out to God, and now she births a son. His name is Reuben. And she says, because the Lord has looked on my affliction, now my husband will love me. Believing that this child will cause her husband to love her. She names him Reuben. But nothing changes. Now she finds herself pregnant with a second child. This is Simeon. His name means God heard. And she says, the Lord heard that I was hated. In other words, believing that she is so despised and rejected by her husband in an environment of constant strife and chaos and, and disorder and disappointment and disheartened state. She believes God has heard my cry and has given me this child. He knows I was rejected. He knows I was hated. And now He has given me this child. And now we find she is pregnant with a third son. He will be called Levi. His name means joined. And she says, now my husband will be joined to me. Believing after the birth of this third son that finally, ultimately now, this will be enough. Now her husband will turn to her seeing she has given him three children. Now she believes Jacob will be joined to me. But still, nothing changes. Up until this point, every time she cries out to the Lord, though she's coming to the right place, she's coming with the wrong attitude. She is focused on her problem and not on her answer. But then the Bible tells us she has a fourth child. And she says this, Now I will praise the Lord. And from this comes the name Judah, which I trust you've heard before, means praise. And it is here that there is a cataclysmic shift in the life of this woman and the story of this family. She had hoped in the birth of her first three children that somehow the attitude of her husband would change towards her. But after trying three times and nothing changed, she said, I'm starting to learn something. I'm seeing a pattern in my life that nothing changes when I focus on the problem. So come hell or high water, come problems or power, when this fourth child is born, I'm just going to turn my eyes to the God that I serve and I will praise the Lord. I'm going to call this child Judah. His name will mean praise. Can I tell you today that praise changes things? 
When Leah said, I'm tired of focusing on my pain. I'm tired of staring and talking about my problems. I'm going to take my eyes off the problem and put my eyes on my God. I have reason to praise. You wonder why you feel such power and liberty when we come in this place today? It's because there's some people who had determined when they woke up and put their clothes on and made their way to church this afternoon, even though everything didn't go their way this week, even though they're dealing with some problems in their life, they made up in their mind, I'm going to get up on the Lord's day, I'm going to go to the Lord's house, I'm going to be with the Lord's people, and I'm going to pray the Lord and God says that's the kind of attitude and that's the kind of action that I am attracted to praise changes things now we don't have time to get way into this today but it's all through the Old Testament what I would call the prophetic destiny Upon Judah. We can read it, Genesis 49, verses 8 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness who dares to rouse him. You hear it now? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs. It's talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the one whom all nations will honor. This is the prophetic destiny upon the people of Judah. The Bible said that they would be the one from the lineage that the kings and the rulership of God's people would come. When it speaks until the coming of the one, or Shiloh in some translations, it is talking to us about the Messiah. It is saying he will come out of the lineage of Judah. He to whom all nations will bow. He to whom every tongue will confess. He's not coming out of any other tribe. He's coming out of Judah. But wait a minute. Judah's the fourth son. He's not the one to whom the blessing should be bestowed upon. But if you read the story, you would find the first three sons disqualified themselves by sinful act and disobedience. I don't know, but I'm kind of inclined to believe today that when Leah lifted up her mouth in sorrow, she set something in motion over their life that set them on a trajectory of difficulty and disqualification. Oh, you don't believe me? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
Her words formed a way of thinking and a mentality that cultivated certain attitudes and behaviors that ultimately led them into committing acts of sin that disqualified them from being the one that the Messiah would come through. But then there was Judah, the one who when she was pregnant with child, she said, now I will praise the Lord. Something was set in motion over his life as a boy that positioned him to be the one through which the Messiah would come. And now Judah is the one who the the conquering anointing of the children of God will be carried by. Why do we feel such power when we come in here today and praise the Lord like we did? It's because there was a conquering anointing in Judah or in praise. You can find it all through the Old Testament. When Israel's coming out of Egypt and making their way into the promised land, do you know who went first? Take a guess. Judah. Judah leads the way. When they were there on the verge of the promise, do you know who was the first tribe to see into the promised land? Take a guess. Judah. Do you know when they started to divide up the promised land amongst the tribes, do you know who got the first and the biggest portion of land? Judah! Are you kind of seeing the pattern here? God has ordained that praise would lead the way. God has ordained that praise would give us a perspective that other things don't give us. Can I tell you this afternoon? If you live a life of extraordinary praise, you'll see things that nobody else sees. You'll get things that nobody else gets. Oh, you say, why is Pastor Akil up here dancing? I'll tell you why. It's because he wants to see what nobody else in Mississauga is seeing. He wants to get a hold of what nobody else else in the GTA is getting a hold of. Praise leads the way. Send up Judah. Praise leads the way. Because God has ordained from the birth of that child and every prophetic promise that has come out of their lineage that there would be a conquering anointing on the people of God that are led by extraordinary praise. So, Pastor Dan, you don't know the struggle in my life. Every step forward, I feel like I'm fighting hell. Obstacles at every turn. I can't go right because there's pressure on the right. I can't go left because there's pressure on the left. I can't even turn around and run away if I wanted to because there's pressure coming from behind. Can I tell you what you need to do? You need to take your head, tilt it up, and fix your eyes to where your help comes from. You got to take your eyes off all the problems around you, and you got to get your eye. You got to do what Leah did. You got to say, I'm tired. I'm Focusing on my problems, I'm going to fix my eyes on the answer. Now I will praise the Lord. Oh, there might be sickness in my body. There might be pain in my back. There might be financial trouble in my life. Maybe I'm unemployed. Maybe I got laid off. Maybe my car broke down. Maybe I've got a migraine today. But now I will praise the Lord. Now I will praise the Lord. The only way to conquer and to possess the promise is by praise. You can't do it by analytical thinking. You can't do it by logic. There's a time for logic. There's a time for strategy. 
There's a time for figuring it out. But I'm telling you, if you want to go and possess the land that God has promised you, here's the principle you're going to have to figure out. It's by extraordinary praise. <laughs> Pastor Dan, you don't know how hard it's been. No, maybe I don't. But this is the problem, my friend. You are allowing your attitude and your action of praise to be dictated by your circumstance and not by your Savior. You are looking at everything around you, waiting for the condition to be right until you decide to praise the Lord. Have you ever thought about this? The Bible says we come into the presence of the Lord. But how can you come into the presence of a God who is already everywhere? If I said to you, come up here, that means you have to get up from where you are, leave that seat, and come to where I am. Because neither you nor I are omnipresent. How do you come into the presence of the Lord who is omnipresent? David said, if I make my bed in hell, he is there. Everywhere present, but not everywhere revealed. This is what the Bible... You need to hear this. When you come into the presence of the Lord, you are stepping into an atmosphere within an atmosphere. It's like you step into the incubator of God. Oh, I know there's walled cities. I know there's giants in the land. When I come into the presence of the Lord, there's an atmosphere within the atmosphere. You don't realize you've already lived out this principle today. There's an atmosphere in this city. But when you got out of your car and came through the doors into the sanctuary of God today, you stepped into another atmosphere. So in your flesh right now, you are in an atmosphere in an atmosphere. But in your spirit at any time, you can enter into an atmosphere in an atmosphere. This is what praise does for you. It's a principle of kingdom entrance. Oh, I know there's hell on every side. I know the devil's fighting you. I know there's obstacles and struggle and pain and heartache and disappointment. I understand that. But the problem is, is you are not activating the principle to get into the right atmosphere. Judah led the way. You know what's going to lead the way? Praise. You say, Pastor Dan, is it really that simple? It's that simple. You mean I don't have to have it all figured out? I don't have to know the complex? No, no, no. Take your eyes off the problem. Put them on the answer and just praise God. The Bible says we praise God according to his mighty acts. You say, here you say, well, Pastor Dan, I, I, I'm waiting for his mighty acts. I've got all kinds of problems I'm dealing with. Listen, here's the qualification to praise God. I know you got a mask on, so you might have to blow hard. Would you just raise your hand up over your mouth and go, Whew. All right. You just qualified yourself for the praise team. Because the Bible says, let everything... Let the sick who have breath, let the weary who have breath, let the weak who have breath, let the poor who have breath, let everything that hath breath praise ye 
the Lord. So you've got no excuse not to praise. You say, well, what's the mighty act that I'm praising God for? The fact you have breath. The fact you're here. You want to hear a cool story? I'm watching the clock today, but this is a good story. I was running from God. I knew the Lord was reaching for me, but I was caught up in the world. Running from God. Messed up. Drugs, alcohol. Doing my own thing. I Driving down the highway. I take the exit. The last thing I remember is seeing the speed limit sign that said 80 kilometers an hour and thinking, well, I was going 120 on the highway. I need to slow down. The next thing I know, I'm lifting my head. The car is just about to hit a telephone pole. And this happens just, I mean, like that. And all of a sudden, it's just, it doesn't happen. And then the car is down over an embankment. Somebody pulls over beside me, and I get out of the car, and I'm laying on the grass just in shock. Just in complete shock. The only damage to the car was the telephone pole. Rather than hitting head on, it just hit the side view mirror. But, I mean, this all happened in seconds, and I'm in shock, and the police show up. And the officer says to me, young man, have you had anything to drink today? And I had just come from a restaurant. I said, yes. And I'll never forget when she snapped around and looked at me. And that's when I realized, if a police officer asks you if you've had anything to drink today, they don't mean orange juice. I said, no, 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 no. I, I, just, left, I just left the log cabin. We had breakfast, like orange juice. She's like, okay. She asked me a few questions. She says, I need you to get out of the car and come with me. So she walks me back up the road a little ways. And she starts me where the car veered off the road. And you can see the tire tracks that comes off the road, onto the shoulder, and on the grass. And it's going straight for the telephone pole. And you get right here, and the tire tracks stop. And a brand new set of tire tracks starts right beside it and carries on to where the car landed. She said, young man, can you explain to me how this happened? And let me tell you. In my backslidden, rebellious state, I was too prideful to tell her I knew God extended his mercy to me in that moment. But can I tell you, I've come with a praise in my heart because God has been awfully good to this 32-year-old preacher. God has been awfully good to me. He kept me. He redeemed me. He washed me. He cleansed me. I'm going to praise him according to his mighty acts. I don't mean no disrespect, but I didn't fly all the way here from Europe and leave my, my, my wife and three kids there for 12 days just for you or just for Pastor Akil. I'm here for Jesus. It doesn't matter what anybody else says or what anybody else thinks. I've come with praise because he is worthy. you got to praise him according to his mighty acts. And, and the Bible says... His excellent greatness. Some of you, you hear me right now. I got a word for somebody in this house. You are allowing the enemy to use circumstance in your life to lie to you about your heavenly father. 
You came in here, you sang these words on the screen, you lifted your hands, but you're sitting there right now listening as I preach the word of the Lord and you don't really believe God is good. I got news for you. God is a good God. And you've got to praise him according to you praise him for what he does. But according or the measure of your praise should be equal to your understanding of his greatness. Let me just tell you, I didn't come here with any intent to meddle, but... Can I tell you what the Lord thinks about that? That's somebody who don't think I'm very good. You know, I remember growing up in church. There's this guy. I won't say his name by the grace of God. Come and see the video. I remember sitting up at the front with my parents and not really understanding everything. There was this one guy who'd sit at the back of the church. And you'd know when he started feeling the Lord it would start with his foot. And then those old shotgun style churches, it was all wood, so I mean, he hit that thing and it just echoed through the building. Boom. You thought, alright, he's getting ready. He'd get like six or seven stomps and he'd stand up and he'd hit the back of that wooden pew and then he'd go, Woo! I'll tell you what, I was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, I thought, come on, Really? But I've lived 18 years past that. I'm 32. And I have seen the mighty acts of God. And now I understand why the old guy did it like he did. He had an understanding of how good God was. And so when he got facing a little bit of trouble and pressure in his life, he understood, if I'm going to conquer, I'm going to do it by praise. I'm going to do it by praise. If I'm going to overcome, it's going to happen by praise. If I'm going to break through, it's going to happen by praise. If I'm going to get my miracle, it's going to happen by praise. I remember spending time in Fredericton for a few years, Pastor Woodward. There was an elderly couple in the church, Brother Phillips, his son actually pastors here in Ontario. Oh, brother and sister Phillips, precious, precious people of God. He was kind of like that guy I just told you about. But this was in Fredericton. Church would be going on, Spirit of the Lord be moving, and you'd hear it first. It'd come up, up from the depths of his heart. Woo! Woo! And I, I'm sure there were some people who thought, what in the world is this guy doing? I'll tell you what he was doing. Praise gave him a perspective other people didn't have. There's some things about God you're not going to get in a book. Chapters or Indigo don't sell it. Amazon doesn't sell it. There's not a video on YouTube that's going to give you this. Only praise. 
And he had been some places with God and had an understanding of God's greatness. And so when the Spirit of the Lord started moving, he'd jump up out of his seat, he'd get out in the aisle, and he'd go twirling up through the church, and he'd be dancing, and all of a sudden, something was like contagious. Because praise leads the way. Psalms 22 and 3, it says it, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Literally meaning praise builds a throne where God comes to dwell. You can be in the middle of all kinds of trouble and trauma in your life, but when you begin to praise, when you apply Psalms 100 and verse 4, the principle of kingdom entrance, you enter into another atmosphere. It's called the throne room. He builds a throne in the praises of his people. And the Bible says where the word of a king is, there is power. That's how come I know miracles will happen in this house today. Because it's not Dan McLeod's word. It's the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. All you've got to do is put on the garment of praise and enter into the throne room. You, we've already heard it. You've got to posture yourself. You've got to get in position. And God will fulfill his word. You don't get before the throne without praise. It's the principle of kingdom entrance. You know, you go back 30, 40 years, people used to ridicule Pentecostal, spirit-filled people for our extravagant praise. Now, everybody's doing it. No matter if they call themselves Baptist and they don't believe in the Holy Spirit or they're Wesleyan or... Even people who identify as Catholic and historically have had no extravagant or passionate expression or demonstration of praise, which, friend, is not even Pentecostal, is biblical. Everybody's doing it. I think in the commonness or the familiarity of it, Sometimes we just kind of take it for granted. We're just going to come, we're going to sing a few songs because that's what we do. We're going to clap our hands. We're going to lift our hands. That's just what we do. I come today to try to reawaken your passion for extraordinary praise. Hear this, Psalms 100. 1 through 3. We already read verse 4, but 1 through 3. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. I don't care if you're from Canada, America, Europe, the Middle East, Africa, South America, Asia, all you land. I don't care if it's English, if it's French, if it's Arabic, if it's Chinese, if it's Japanese, if it's India, I, all ye lands. You don't need to be talented. You don't need to be gifted. You don't need to be able to play the piano, the guitar, the bass, the drums. All you've got to do is make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness. 
come before his presence with singing. No, see, no. You've got to know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. That is the mighty act. The mighty act is that you are formed and fashioned in the image and the likeness of God. You can move your hand. You can clap your hands. You can lift your voice. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Listen, we could be here a long time talking about examples from Scripture, whether it's the walls of Jericho. You mean I can take a city without drawing a sword? I don't need to fire an arrow. I don't need a cannon. I don't need to go negotiate. No, no. You just got to do what God says do. And when God says shout, you got to shout. And when you enter into the environment of praise, the working of miracles will be released and the walls of that city will come down. Or we could talk about Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 when the enemy had come against them, Ammon and Moab. They surrounded them in innumerable company. It looked like death was imminent. No way of escape. And the Bible said the Spirit of the Lord fell on a man in the middle of the camp and he begins to prophesy. says, you will not fight. This battle is the Lord. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord. They begin to inquire of God. What is the way forward? See, when you inquire of God, that comes in that atmosphere of worship I was talking about earlier. That's what happens in your personal intimacy and devotion with God. You get that worship music on. and You're just, that's a place of intimacy where you seek for personal direction. But if you want to step into the miraculous, you're going to have to teach yourself how to come out of worship and into praise. Because it's in praise that the gift of faith operates. It's in praise that the working of miracles operates. It's in praise that the gifts of healing operate. You don't believe me? I spent a lot of time in my ministry trying to pray for people and nothing happened. I never understand it. They're hungry. They're being moved on. I can see the spirits moving upon them. And I'm trying to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Or they need a miracle. And you know what they're doing? They're just worshiping. They're having a good time with the Lord. And hear me now. There's nothing wrong with this. But you've got to understand the right posture and position for the right purpose. If you just want a little dialogue and you want to inquire of the Lord and you want to talk and have direction and fellowship, that's where you need to be. Have you ever gone to your personal prayer with the Lord and, and, and you're really praying about something where you need direction or you're kind of li- li- letting your burdens go to God and you're like, Hallelujah! Jesus, I love you! No. Why? Because there's certain attitudes. There's certain principles you apply for certain purposes. Now, if you're just going to inquire of the Lord and fellowship with God, you've got to be in worship. But if you want to see the demonstration of the Spirit, if you want that militant, conquering anointing of Judah, you've got to enter into praise. Because that is where supernatural power is revealed. So what did Jehoshaphat do? He said, hey, 
I know there's an army over there. I know they've all got swords and bow and arrow and spears and they've probably got chariots and fire. But you guys just put your swords away. God said we don't fight that way. Can I get the praise team to come forward, please? What do you need us for? This is a war. That's why I need you. Because praise. <laughs> praise leads the way. They put the singers on the front line. And the Bible said when they began to sing, hear that now, because this is just beautiful. When they began, they didn't even get the first course done. And God was already at work. They didn't get to the verse. God had already started moving. The Bible said the Lord sent ambushments, an angelic host against their enemy. The spoil of the battle was so great, they called it the Valley of Baraka, which means the Valley of Blessing. It took them many days to reap the spoil. They didn't draw a sword. They didn't argue. They didn't get on Facebook or Instagram and post about it. They didn't get on the phone and call and complain. No. You know what they did? They said, I understand what to do in the time of battle. i got to turn my eyes to the Lord, and I've got to give God extraordinary praise. And when I do that... I step into an atmosphere that's not governed by the governments of this earth. And there is an angelic company that is available to me. The Bible said that angels are ministering spirits sent to the heirs of salvation. You know, I'm talking to somebody right now. There's angels that follow you. There's angels that live in your home. That's encouraging. But now I've got to tell you why you don't know they're there. It's because you're not activating the principle that causes them to move. I'm talking to somebody in the Holy Ghost right now. You're dealing with trauma in your family. And God has already sent angels to your aid, but they're dormant. Because the only time you embody the principle of praise is when you come here. And so the help God sent you has not been activated because you are refusing to apply the principle that takes you into the atmosphere where they work. And you are staying in the atmosphere that is dictated by the things in the spirit of this world. I'm telling you right now, you have cried to God. You have asked God. I don't know who I'm talking to. Uh, you, ha you have cried to God. You might even have got on the phone with Pastor Akil. said, Pastor Akil, I need to talk to you. I I'm struggling with this. I need help with this. I've been asking God. I I've been crying to God. But you know what you haven't been doing? You haven't been praising. Because the enemy lied to you, and you don't really believe God is that good. And so you're waiting for it to change until you give God the praise. And that, my friend, is your problem. You don't wait until it happens to praise. You praise and it causes it to happen. Because praise is the principle of kingdom entrance. It takes you into the environment where anything can happen. Anything, 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 anything. 
It takes you into the environment where cancer can disappear, where blinded eyes can be opened, where deaf ears can be unstopped, where crooked limbs are made straight, where the lame can walk, where marriages are restored, where families are saved. Our music can come. Psalms 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. At all times. Not just good times. Not blessed times. Not easy times. At all times. Because my times do not change God's character. My struggle does not change who God is. I will. It's a matter of choice, not feeling. You know why he said it all times? Because he'd lived through some bad times. At all times, I will bless the Lord. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble hear of it and be glad. I love how the first verse, he's talking about himself. But by the third verse, he says, we're going to do this together. He says, oh, I wish I could do that like Pastor Akil. Oh, yeah, I know I can't sing, but it's joyful. Now look, hear this. My grandmother, she used to have this old magnifying glass. It was like, sit right by her chair. And she'd do her word searches. It was the most amazing thing. You could take that magnifying glass, and it could make that little letter look so big. But if you move the magnifying glass, the size of the letter on the page did not change. So what David is teaching us is when I praise the Lord, how I see him changes. God cannot change. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing changes God. But when I praise him, I enter in and how I see him begins to change. That is why praise is so powerful. Now, sometimes... You're praising God for yourself, but other people get in on the blessing. There's some of us here today that that's the story. Because we've not yet responded how God has called us to, or in the measure of His greatness that we really know. But don't worry, we will. But Acts 16 tells the story of Paul and Silas who are doing the will of God, preaching the gospel, doing good facing demonic oppression, facing political persecution, facing abuse. And they find themselves beaten and thrown in jail. And there, at that all time, even in a jail cell, even when I'm weary, 
even when I'm beat up. That's still all times. So even then, Paul and Silas, the Bible said they begin to sing praises to God. And suddenly, the ground begins to shake. The foundation of the prison is shaking. And the doors fly open. And they get out there in the hallway of that prison. And they get looking around. And they realize, hey, we're not the only ones free. The prisoners heard us. And they're free too. Because when you praise God, the God who is everywhere present, but not always everywhere revealed, He shows up. And with Him come an innumerable company of angels that are sent to do His will. That's what praise can experience if I was to tell us today let's praise the Lord most of us would default to clapping some would lift our hands some would lift their voice and all of those are good all of those are necessary but I want to challenge you right now What instrument do you think pleases God the most? Well, I know he said praise him on the harp and the psaltery and the cymbal. I know. And my brother does a great job. But just consider this. What instrument do you think pleases God the most? The one that we made or the one that he made? You know, the Bible only says to clap your hands one time. But dozens of times, it tells us to lift up our voice, to shout unto God. To say, hallelujah! 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 Do you feel that? As we begin to call on God, the atmosphere starts shifting. As the Spirit of the Lord begins to respond to the praises of His people. Come on, if you've not shouted yet today, you need to shout now. If you've not jumped yet today, you ought to jump to our podcast. 
Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.